Well, good morning. We're so glad to have you here at Reston Bible Church on this first Sunday of the new year. As we get started, we know that you have a lot of decisions and choices about how you're going to navigate the year, manage your time and the things that you're going to do. As David said earlier, we hope that you would consider participating in one of our Equipping the Saints classes to develop your own growth moving forward. Uh, We also want to let you know, if you are a man, this coming Saturday in this room from 8.30 to 10, we are calling every man from Reston Bible Church to come and be here this morning. We're going to communicate some important things that are going on in the life of our church. We're going to hear the stories of a couple of different men and their journey in Christ, and it will be absolutely compelling. And I really hope that you can make it. Ladies, Really want to encourage you, if you are married, to encourage your man. We know that Saturday is often a family time, but uh, really want to encourage you to encourage them to join us on Saturday morning. In 1903, Wilbur and Orville Wright accomplished the first flight. Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, it was December 17th, 1903, and their flight lasted for an entirety of... 12 seconds. And I wish that we could have those men standing here, perhaps at an air show where the blue angels fly over in formation and just to watch the look on their faces. We have come a very, very long way. It was 40 years ago this summer that my uncle, who was an F-4 Phantom pilot, flew from Moody Air Force Base in southern Georgia to come to Pennsylvania to attend my brother's wedding. He got special permission to land at a small naval air development center in my small town. And for most of my life and the lives of people ahead of me, the only thing they ever saw come in and out of there were uh, P-3 cargo prop planes. Very unexciting. That Monday morning after the wedding, I was a college student home for the summer. I took the the company truck, I went to the end of the runway to watch him take off. And I got the show of my life because he flew over me at about the height of which I could hit him with a tennis ball, basically. Nearly knocked me out of the truck because an F-4 Phantom can fly 1,500 miles an hour. The fastest plane on record uh, was a flight from July 28th, 1976, and it's the Lockheed SR-71 Blackbird, which on its record flight flew over 2,000 miles an hour. The fastest passenger plane, of course, is the Concorde, which could fly 1,300 miles an hour. And many of us would like to fly in a Concorde today because it cuts air travel in over half of what it would be today because the average passenger airliner flies at about 600 miles an hour. And wouldn't the Wright brothers be amazed to know that today, in the average day, over 2 million people are in the air at any given time? That's a lot of people flying. My brother, who got married 40 years ago out of that same air base, he became part of the flying club there. He wasn't able to fly uh, in the military because of his eyesight and so forth and so on. But he became a small planes pilot, a single engine uh, Cessna, and had the opportunity to fly with him on a couple of different occasions. And at 150 miles an hour... You feel like you're just kind of floating through air. 
The thing about Cessnas, if they were to take a cross-country flight, they would have to stop roughly every two hours to rest, to gas up. You know, most of us today don't realize that we are trying to live life as if we are the Lockheed SR-71 Blackbird, trying to accomplish life at 2,000 miles an hour when we are actually constructed by God to be Cessnas with a maximum speed of 150 to 200 miles per hour. And we wonder why we're tired. We wonder why depression is on the rise. Anxiety is off the charts and so forth and so on. The truth of the matter is that most of us are trying to live at a pace that we were never designed to live. If I asked you, what are your rhythms of life? You're like, rhythm? I'm either, I either go or I'm dead. Those are my two options. And even when we sleep, many of us are not at rest. And for many here today, sleep is escaping you, even though you're exhausted. Many times my wife would say, I'm tired. I'm just not sleepy. Being tired and not sleepy is a problem. In the Northern Virginia pace, with sports and work and travel, we're having a hard time keeping up. I don't know if you've ever had the experience where you were able to get your laundry cleaned, maybe even folded, but you end up living out of the basket all week long until it's like, oh, it's time to do laundry again. That's never happened to us. I'm just saying that I know for some of you, life is at such a pace that sometimes you don't even get the cycle of laundry accomplished most effectively. A Christian leader that I once knew, a high-performing, well-known pastor, once said, I'd rather burn out than rust out as one of his life taglines. And I'm thinking, well, if those are my only two options, I guess I would choose burn burn out over rust out too. But can I submit to you today that that is entirely unbiblical? It's entirely unbiblical. That we were never meant to rust out or burn out Those aren't our best options. And for a follower of Jesus Christ, understanding the rhythms of life that God made us to exist in is absolutely critical. And I think there's no better time than the beginning of a new year when each of us have difficult, challenging decisions to make about how we're going to spend our time is to evaluate this reality. You understand that the good is often the enemy of the best. That many of us are involved in really, really good things that are beginning to take their toll. Our passage for the entire series is out of Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 29. And it says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lonely in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Followers of Jesus Christ through the last 2,000 years have struggled with how to navigate the issues of rest and, and Sabbath. And there are those who have taken a strict Old Testament Sabbath structure, even as a New Testament believer. Remember the story of Eric Liddell, made famous in the movie, The Chariots of Fire. 
He was born in 1902 in King, China, the, the son of Scottish missionaries. He competed in the 1924 Paris Olympics. His race was the 100 meters, but he refused to do the race because it was on a Sunday. He took a strict Sabbath view for the New Testament believer. He did ultimately run in the 400 meters and he won, but he refused to race on a Sunday. He went back to China in 1925 and from 1925 to 1945, he was a missionary there taking only two furloughs to Scotland and ultimately passed away at the age of 43 in a Japanese internment camp there. The pendulum today has swung in the other direction. And many of us would claim Romans 14, which says one person esteems one day as better than another, while other, another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind, not one who observes the day, observes it in the, the one who observes the day, excuse me, observes in it, it in an honor of the Lord. And you're like, yeah, I, I observe all days alike. I kill myself every day of the week. And we find ourselves racing around, trying to keep up with a life that we were never intended to leave, to lead. Physical rest and spiritual rest through the scriptures throughout the entire thing. And to, over the next several weeks, we are going to pull the thread We're going to talk about physical rest. We're going to talk about spiritual rest. We're going to talk about rest from creation, which is where we're going to start today. We're going to talk about the Sabbath. We're going to talk about what it means for Jesus to be our rest. And how do we navigate that today? The question is, do you have a rhythm with rest in your life? We're going to start very at the beginning. Genesis chapter 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, all believers, true believers in Jesus Christ, know that God created. Regardless of all of your different elements of theological belief, we all believe that God created. Verse 3, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, And the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. Now one of the debates that goes on and that will go on until the return of Christ is the young earth versus the old earth theory of creation. All believers believe that God created. The question is for some, how did he create I lean in the direction of the young earth. I believe that if God can create something out of nothing, he can create however he wants. He can create light that theoretically travels at at an enormous rate, light years into the future, and make it all happen at once. God could have taken everything and said, bring, here it is. He didn't though. He created in a rhythm, and he called it a rhythm, the rhythm of night and day, and one of the reasons that I believe that God created in six literal days is because of this right here, the reality of what God was doing in the period of rest and work, production and inactivity that he put on his creation through a 24-hour day, a seven-day week, and a 365-day year on purpose, on purpose For all of us. After the seventh day, 
What did God do? He rested. Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Thus, the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished, here it is, his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done for the third time. The issue of creating and resting are intimately linked. The word for rest is the word Shabbat. It is then in the Old Testament is where they get the word Sabbath. And if you have any Jewish friends at all, I have several, even Jewish people who follow Jesus. What do they do on Friday night is they begin to celebrate Shabbat. Now, Shabbat doesn't have anything at all Nothing to do with being tired. When God took Shabbat, it wasn't because he was tired. And the cycle of production and rest foundationally isn't about being tired. We're going to get there in just a moment. We're going to talk about three elements. What it means to consider a life with a rhythm with rest. Does your life have a rhythm with rest? We're going to start at the beginning today. Number one, we are all created in the image of God. One of the things that God did when he rested is he set a, set a template for us for life. Chapter one, verses 26 and 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion, important word, over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Now, typically when we talk about the image of God in human beings, we talk about the fact that God is intellectual, he's emotional, he's volitional, he's relational, and all of those things are true. What I submit to you today, though, is that one of the primary elements of the created order that you and I are created in the image of God is that we are created to be creative. We're created to be creative. Not only are we created in his image in all these different ways, what that leads to is that he created us like himself to create. A.K.A. he designed us to work. He designed us to work. Verse 28 of chapter 1. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion, there's our word, over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and every living thing that moves on the earth. You know, one of my challenges with, the, with evolutionary theory, and I've never had an evolutionist be able to effectively answer this question for me, is as creatures are more sophisticated, their young become more needy. In other words, a sea turtle comes up onto the sand, lays its eggs, buries them, and disappears, and they're on their own from that point forward. They hatch, they find their way into the sea, and they never meet their parents, as it were. If we get to higher levels of animals, they're more self-sufficient. For example, a horse. 
a colt, a baby horse, after it's born, two hours after it's born, it's able to walk. Human children need a lot of care. (laughs) And those of you that are young parents, you know what I mean. Your life is filled with these highly evolved creatures that need so much care. How did they devolve so badly that they need so much of your care? Oh, no, 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 no. This is God's design. This is God's design for relationship and for care and for productivity and for creativity. The first place that we produce, the first place that we create after the image of God is in procreation and our investment daily, endlessly, painstakingly (laughs) is with our children. Is with our children. The Lord God took the man, chapter 2, verse 15, and he put him in the Garden of Eden, here it is, to work it and to keep it. From the very beginning, we were designed after the image of God to create and to work. Unfortunately, the fall happened. Chapter 3 of Genesis. And it tainted work. It made this issue of productivity and creativity a challenge. Verse 17 of chapter 3. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. Thank you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you were dust, and to dust you shall return. Now I'm hard-pressed to think that there's many of us who love 100% of our job, whatever work that might be. And if you're a stay-at-home mom, you have a job, you just don't get paid for it. And I'm sure you don't like 100% of that either. They say that if you like 80% of what you do, you're in good shape and you just navigate the other 20%. Our perspective here at Reston Bible Church is that biblically work should be worship for all of us. That it isn't only ministry people who are called to work. We are all called to work. Whatever you're doing, you should feel a sense of call to do it and to do it well, to do everything you do for the glory of Jesus Christ. Our church subscribes to an online tool called Right Now Media, a myriad of tools of every type. And one of the things that you can find on Right Now Media is a series of conferences that happen every year called Work as Worship. And if you're in a place in your job where you're like, I don't ever want to work ever again. But you're only 35, sorry. (laughs) You need to understand work as worship and God's design for you and for me working in life. And if you need an account, we have a corporate account. You can have your own personal account off of our account. We're happy to provide one for you. Just contact Jason Van Dorsten and we'll get you that so you can access these and a myriad of other resources. If we are to understand in 2024 how we are to live well, 
We need to understand that we need, we must live with a rhythm with rest. The first thing we need to understand is that we are created in God's image. That's a critical and foundational element of the the creation story. As a result of that, we understand that God created us to be creative. We are to do. We get that wrong and we'll get to that in just a second. We tend to gain our identity in doing rather than our identity in God. That's a part of the fall as well. If we had lived a sinless life after our forefathers, which we do not, but if we did, we would have a relationship with the living God and out of that relationship, we would produce. We'd, that would be the fruit of our relationship with God. Instead, we get that backwards and we use our efforts for our value and meaning in the mind of God as well. We seek to do that, which never works because God is not impressed with our doing, which is the foundation of salvation, by the way. And we'll get to that in just a moment too. But if we are to live well, in the proper rhythms of life that God designed for us, that are, that's so hard for us to do here in our Northern Virginia environment, we need to understand that we are created in his image, that we're created to be creative. And third and finally for today, that we need to understand the effective rhythms that are by God's design. By God's design. Remember, God rested not because he was tired. Resting, the biblical definition of Shabbat, simply means to stop working. It doesn't mean to stop working when you're tired. It means that in this rhythm, we are to take a step back. God created, and then he took a step back, and what did he say? He said, it is good. And then he created us, people, and he took a step back, and what did he say? He said, it is very good. And if we were operating in the effective rhythm of life, what we would do is we would gain our identity from the living God. We would then produce and create according to what he has called us to do. And then we would, in the rhythms that God has called us to, take a step back and say, I exist in the favor of the living God and I have created according to his will and purposes and it is good. The problem is, is that we rest when we feel we need it and only when we feel we need it. But there's a bigger problem that we face. It's that burnout results from two classic things in our lives. One is recognizing the need for rest, but feeling I cannot take it. And some of you are in a place today with the issues of life, with your work, with your children, with whatever happens to be, you know you need to take a step back. You know you need to say no to more. You know you need to stop doing the good so you can do the best and you don't feel like you can. The second result of burnout results from, excuse me, is failing to recognize that I need it. When I don't exist in a rhythm of life that involves production and rest, and I don't feel like I can, I have to keep up, many people experience this, I got this, I got this, I got this, until they don't. You understand that virtually every human being 
that's ever experienced, when they experience their first panic attack, and I hope you never have, but if you're one of those who have, you know that that very first experience of panic and anxiety comes completely out of the blue. You're a high performer. You're moving forward. You got the world by the tail, and all of a sudden, you don't. And you can't figure out why. It's like, where is this coming from? My very first panic attack was in 1992. I was a psychiatric professional working in inpatient psychiatric hospitals. I knew anxiety. I knew depression. I could recognize it a mile away and I was treating it day in and day out. And then it happened to me. And I thought that I was having a reaction to the medication that I was, have, that I was taking for a sickness. And I went to the doctor and he said, nope, that's a panic attack. And I had no idea why it was happening. When you are not existing in a rhythm of rest, production and rest, and you feel like you can't, and you only rest when you're tired, and you never feel like you're tired. I know people who say, uh, you know, I only need like three or four hours of sleep a night. I'm good. Really? Maybe you're just in a manic phase and you don't know it. <laughs> God is transcendent. He doesn't need rest, but he rested. He worked. It was good. He stepped back and he looked at what he had created he did that for a reason, and it was to set a template for you and for me. Isaiah 40 says, have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. And if God rested, so should we. Well, it begs the question, is rest then a result of the fall? If God didn't need to rest, but we do, is rest a result of the fall? Did, in other words, did Adam and Eve need to rest before chapter 3 of Genesis? Well, I mean, there's a whole series of questions just like that that we may never know the answer for. Like, you know, does Adam, did Adam have a belly button, you know, and stuff like that. But I submit to you that rest, the need for rest, the rhythm of rest even though God didn't need to rest, is just a part of who we are as human beings. Jesus was not sinful. He did not submit to sin. He was a perfect human being. And yet you remember the story of Jesus being sound asleep in the, the bow of the boat in Luke chapter 8 when the storm came in. He was so asleep that the storm didn't wake him up. I think maybe he was tired. But there isn't sin involved in that. Most of us finish a day and we never feel like our work is quite complete. And even if we take a day of rest over the weekend, there's these things that are looming just over the horizon for the coming week that stress us out. For many people, even when we try to rest, we're still working. <laughs> and there is no rest after working for so many you know, I, I love my job. I absolutely love what I do. And one of the great beauties of the job that I have is that every Sunday I try to preach my guts out 
with consistency to what the scripture has to say. And then Sunday afternoon, I get to put my feet up and take a step back. And I believe in God's design. Go, thank you, God, for what it is that you have done through this week as I have prepared, have sought to honor you with delivering a message for you. And I am just thankful to you because I have my identity in you and I am living consistently with the gifts that you have given me. And that is the design for every one of us. And many of us can't seem to ever get there. In 1879, Thomas Edison invented the light bulb. Now make no mistake, Thomas Edison gets a lot of accolades for about a century's worth of experimentation trying to get to the point that he was able to get over the goal line when he discovered the carbonized bamboo fiber was the best for the filament for the light bulb that lasted longer. Can I tell you that Thomas Edison did us no favors in 1879? You know that before the light bulb was invented, the average human being slept 11 hours a night? How are you doing? (laughs) I mean, really, really. Human beings before the light bulb lived with the rhythm that God created naturally. You were awake and worked when it was light and you slept and rested when it wasn't. And don't think that people just like stayed up all night reading by candlelight. It's not the way that worked. It's not the way that worked. Walter Adams, spiritual mentor to C.S. Lewis, said to walk with Jesus is to walk with a slow, unhurried pace. Hurry is the death of of prayer and only impedes and spoils our work. It never advances it. Hurry never advances our work. In 1370, in the city of Cologne, Germany, something happened for the first time that then took root and happened all throughout the world. In 1370, in the public square in Cologne, Germany, they erected the first ever clock tower. And from that point forward, increasingly, human beings took their relationship with time away from the natural rhythm of the night-day cycle that is healthy for us and separated their journey with time away from that cycle to a watch or a clock. And many of us today function according to a clock, not according to the effective rhythm that God designed for us to have. If we are going to talk about rest, if we're going to talk about God's creative order and design, we're going to talk about the implementation. Why is it that God put, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy as commandment number four in his top 10? Why did he say that we need to do that? It's right up there with murder and all the other stuff that is so bad for human society. Why did he do that? We're going to talk about that. What did Jesus do with the Sabbath? 
Yeah, well, Jesus violated the Sabbath, didn't he? He did all kinds of things that kind of blew it off. What, what's that all about? And what does it mean for Jesus to be our Sabbath rest? You know, we live in a world that doesn't help us with this at all. The complete disregard. There was a day not that long ago where literally everything was shut down on a Sunday in our country. Literally everything. You know that the 7-Eleven was the first company to be open seven days a week. And now Chick-fil-A is the anomaly for not. For not. If you wanted to go out to eat on a Sunday, just a few decades ago, you couldn't do it. You couldn't do it. And now our culture just blows past any respect for the need for rhythm in life. And I know some of you are facing great challenges, again, whether it's your work, that requires so much from you. I was talking with a good friend in the lobby as we uh, before the service and she travels a lot for her work and even if you do that you travel you know one week you find yourself in this foreign country and that foreign country the command is still the same you need to find rhythm for yourself of rest and work enjoy that travel enjoy that journey that adventure but you still must find rhythm for some of you it's your children their activities have taken over your life That happened to us once. I made my daughter go to a seventh grade volleyball tryout. She didn't want to go. And then it was like she got bitten by the bug. And all of a sudden, before we knew it, our lives were taken over by volleyball. And we traveled every weekend to some tournament somewhere. You know, one of the first, when I was a kid growing up, you competed against all the kids in your area and you beat all them. And if you beat all them, then you went to States. And if you beat all them, you went to the one national competition for that sport this year. Now with travel sports, every weekend is a national competition somewhere. And I remember this one weekend traveling, paying an enormous amount of money for a volleyball weekend. And the only girls we played against on that weekend Every single game, they were local to us here. And I'm thinking, we didn't just need to spend all that money to play against these girls. We could have stayed home and done that. Don't get me wrong. I love sports. I think sports are one of the best avenues for character development for our children. I also believe that travel sports was birthed in the mind of the devil himself. to bankrupt and fragment your family and keep you from being here on Sunday morning. Now, I don't regret our travel volleyball time. We had a great time. I love volleyball. There is no sport that is more fast-paced and exciting than volleyball and keeps your attention because if you don't, you get a concussion with a volleyball to the head. And we loved every minute of it. And I I don't regret a minute. However, we did see it taking over. We did see it become something that really wasn't best for the rhythms of family living. And some of you 
have to make some hard decisions about how you navigate life with work and sports and other events. And can I discourage you from ever allowing your child to play two sports in the same season? What? Why would you do that? That is so painful for everybody. And it is violating the principle throughout the entire scripture that we need a rhythm of productivity and rest and it's hard enough for us to find. We're going to talk about building a foundation, a rhythm with rest. And for today, we need to understand that we are created in the image of God. We are created in the image of God. And what that means is that we are created to create. We are created to produce and to rest. We are created to get our identity in Jesus Christ. And then to, in him, as we walk with him, have that outgrowth of fruit into productive, godly things. Not to gain our identity, not to gain God's favor, but because we already have it. Third and finally, that in that creation and creative order, that we need to find the effective rhythms that are, exist by God's design. By God's design. And over the next several weeks, we're going to talk about physical rest. We're going to talk about spiritual rest. We're going to talk about all these things. Because I believe that our world is seeking to have us live in a way that is not according to God's scriptural plan for us, for our own good. So the question that I leave you today before we get to our time of communion, and this is the question for kind of our evaluation, if you will. This is our only application today, and it's really simply a question for you to take with you. It's do you experience a rhythm with rest in your life? Are you a Cessna trying to be a, the Lockheed Blackbird today? Or do you exist with a rhythm that produces rest, not just when you're tired, but because of the way God has created all of us to get our identity in him, to produce, and to take a step back and say, yes, in the plan of God, I am in my relationship with him and I've produced according to his plan for my life and it is good. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ here today, I, it is my prayer that you are poked at by this. That this is something the Holy Spirit is going to work on you over the next several weeks. And if you're a person here today and you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, then I can tell you your only hope for finding effective rhythm, meaning, purpose in this life with a work-rest balance it's in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone who is our rest, who will lead us in this life through rest to our ultimate place of rest, which is when we get there on the other side of all things. And if you have never said, Lord Jesus, I'm tired. I'm tired of trying to gain your favor. I'm tired of trying to gain my identity in what I do. I'm tired of this rat race. I want... You as my savior, I want to confess my sin to you. I want to embrace all that it means to have you as my savior and Lord. First for salvation, a relationship with the living God, and then a life that honors you. I want to do that today. So we're going to pray. 
I'm going to pray and then we're going to go into communion and the time of reflection for communion is going to be considering the question, do I experience rhythm with rest? Father, thank you. Thank you for this time together this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the reality that the thread of rest, the thread of ceasing work in comparison to work is throughout the entire scriptures. Thank you that we can cease from our work in our efforts to gain your favor. That salvation is by grace through faith. It is not because of work. Forgive us for how we work in a way that seeks to gain your favor rather than living out of your favor in a productive life. Father, I pray for anyone here today who is not a follower of Jesus Christ, who has never come to the place of saying, I'm tired of trying to justify myself. I'm tired of trying to feel better about myself. I'm tired of trying to believe that I am what I need to be for eternal life. Father, I pray that they would embrace Jesus today as their only source of salvation. Father, I pray for those today who don't even, may not even believe there is a God and look around at your created order and come to the place where the reality of you, Lord God, it's undeniable and that we were meant by your design created in your image to live this life in a certain way. Father, as we go to communion now, we are so grateful that Jesus died on the cross that we might have eternal life. He died on the cross so that we might have a relationship with you. He died on the cross so we could experience the productivity that we were designed to have in the proper way and to find our complete and utter rest in you. Lord, as we take a couple of moments to evaluate and and consider the question, do I personally live my journey in Christ with a rhythm with rest. God, I pray that you would poke at each one of us in the ways that we need to. Some of us need to make some very hard decisions this year. There's a lot of opportunity even here at the church. We can't say yes to everything. but We can say yes to the best things for our season of life, whatever it might be. So I'm just going to encourage each one of us right now to take a moment and to pray and to talk to the Lord and ask the Lord to reveal what does it mean for me today to struggle through life with a rhythm with rest. Go ahead and do that.
Lord Jesus, some of us have come into this gathering today weary. Lord, living at a pace that really is not sustainable. Accomplishing, 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 but never feeling a sense of accomplishment. Working, but not able to uh, appreciate what's been done because of what's left undone. Father, many of us live as adrenaline junkies for the next invigorated high, whatever that might be, and can't ever seem to find ourselves sitting still long enough to consider your word and what our relationship with you looks like and find peace in the quiet. Some of us don't tolerate quiet very well at all. And Father, our culture and all of its advanced technology is allowing us to do things and stay connected and to accomplish. And Lord, I thought our technology was supposed to help us have fewer days of work. That's what they told us a couple decades ago. So Father, I pray that as we walk forward together in our walk with you, that you would walk with us. And we're so grateful, Lord Jesus, that on that night 2,000 years ago, you took the bread and you said, this body, this, is, this bread is my body, which is broken for you. And you did that, Lord, to pay for our sin and that we might walk in a relationship with you in your will, in your plan, with Jesus as our spiritual rest and our rest in every way. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you for making the way that we could have a relationship with the living God and find our ultimate rest. Help us to struggle through what it means to walk with you in rest today. Let's participate in the bread together. On that same night, Jesus took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. And every time we do it, we proclaim that he's our Lord, he's our savior. We proclaim that he is the one and only place where we find rest eternally and today. Father, we repent of our sin. We repent of not living in a way that's consistent with our created order. We ask you, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit as followers of Jesus Christ, in relationship with you to live the way you have called us to live. Thank you, Lord God, for dying in our place that we might have life, life in you. Let's participate in a cup together. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would go with us, help us as we walk through this series to live with greater joy because we are living in a rhythm, one that you have called us to, that we might honor you in all that we do. We pray in your great name, Lord Jesus. Amen.